broadcasting live from the SHRM 2021 conference at the Las Vegas Convention Center, it's time for Workplace MVP, brought to you by R3 Continuum, a global leader in workplace behavioral health, crisis, and security solutions. Now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. Jamie Gassman, your host here for Workplace MVP, and I am broadcasting from SHRM 2021 in Las Vegas, Nevada, and really exciting. I have three guests for this episode. Um, so I'm going to start out with our first guest, Nicole Roberts, who's Vice President of People and Culture from MVAH Partners. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you very much. So why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about your HR background, how you came into HR, and a little bit about MVAH Partners. Sure. So I started in HR in 2004 and um, started out in benefits and then moved into employee relations and was a department of one a couple of times and really just moved into more amplified roles throughout my career um, until I got into, uh, you know, executive leadership and building and developing teams. And currently my role as vice president of people and culture, I am able to set the strategy and be really intentional in how we want to show up and how we want to take the best care of our people and to really be intentional with our culture. Awesome. So over the last year and looking at going now into 2021, and I know it's it's hard to not talk about over the last year because HR has been impacted so much. And from a culture perspective, what have been some of the challenges that you've seen that you've had to get really strategic and kind of overcome over that last year? So when I started with MVAH Partners, uh, my first day was March 9th. And as we know, the kind of beginning, so to speak, of the impact of the pandemic on our cultures and on our workplaces was March 11th. So the traditional aspect and the traditional approach of, you know, get in, learn the culture, learn the people, all of that, like all of that went out the window. And it was what is most important to the business? How can we best support our people? Um, We are in 15 states and we have 100 locations. And because we're affordable housing, it's essential that people have a place to live. So we have not stopped uh, through the entire pandemic. And so our major focuses were making sure that our people who were working, you know, frontline, so to speak, really felt supported and that we see you and we understand and we acknowledge that you are, you know, right there public facing. And one of the things that we've done recently is we um, implemented uh, uh, Core Links. Uh, it's called Support Link. And what it is, is it is a, what I would call as an EAP on steroids. And it is a 14 touch point EAP program. So it really just meets people where they are. If it's an app, a phone number, a website. Um, and it really just was one of those benefits where we looked at it and we said, we really can't afford not to do this. Yeah. It's almost like giving them access to something in the way that they want to receive that information. And what kind of difference have you seen within the employees, maybe from a utilization perspective by implementing something different like that? So one of the main things is during the pandemic, there were so many people that were reaching out and saying, hey, does our benefit program cover mental health? Do we have tech support? Do we have, you know, phone calls? How many visits is it? And all of that. And so even before our renewal of 10-1, I started to talk to our broker. I'm like, what can we do? What solutions are out there? And so we we looked at four or five different companies 
And we decided that Support Link was perfect for us because it really just, it met people where they were. And we've gotten so much positive feedback from that, that not only do you have access to the care, but it, it is a licensed professional that you speak to the first time that you call. Right. So they're more accessible. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So, you know, as you kind of look out, it, you know, towards the end of this year, you know, are there any things that you're seeing now that we've kind of seen this increase in cases again? You know, are there challenges that are resurfacing that you're having to navigate? Um, and what is that looking like for your organization? Well, for us, so we went through, you know, state by state. And, and in some states, it was municipality by municipality where the guidance was different. The regulations were different. Um, and there was kind of this feeling like, okay, now we can breathe. And then right back into it. So for us, it's really just making sure that, you know, the, the compassion fatigue doesn't get to a, a point of complete burnout and exhaustion and that people, you know, feel supported and that there's our biggest thing really is making sure that they have as much information as possible so that there's not that additional stress of the uncertainty to go with it. Right. Wow. And isn't compassion fatigue and burnout like becoming some of the most common things we're hearing across multiple industries, but particularly those frontline kind of essential worker, like here we go again, kind of, you know, environments. So when, how, and I know you've got the, this, this program, but are there other things that you're seeing with that compassion fatigue and burnout? And are there ways that employers or HR people can be looking at that and doing things to help out? I think one thing that we really need to pay attention to as well is it's not just our employees, it's HR. I mean, part of how you build resilience is you have that period of rebuilding and we just aren't having that in this mm -hmm. case. I mean, some of us has, have been, you know, just full steam ahead for so long that we haven't even stopped to feel authentically how this actually is for us. And so I think from that aspect, we just need to really grant each other a lot of grace and we need to make sure that we're caring for one another, coming into situations with, you know, that positive intent, that benefit of the doubt and asking, how are you? Not just what do you need and, you know, what can I get for you? And, and you know, from a, a benefit perspective or anything like that, but really at the personal level, how are you? How are you dealing with this? You know, do you have kids that all of a sudden have been sent back home or, you know, what's going on with you? And I think that the, the biggest thing that we can do as HR is to not only be there for our employees, but for each other. Oh, that's a fantastic way. And Sherm is a great place to be able to do that. Reconnect with colleagues you probably haven't seen for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Nicole. Um, we're going to go into our next guest here, um, John Baldino from Humariso. Did I say it right? Yes. Awesome. I, I tried really hard to, to punch that up for Fantastic. you. Yay. So, John, why don't we start out with you introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your background. Sure. Tell us a little bit about Humariso and, and kind of uh, give us a little bit of background on you. Sure. So, um, I'm, I'm one of the old ones. Um, here at Sherm, yes, I'm getting head nods. Uh, the uh, this month actually is my 30th year in human resources, and uh, I started out uh, in personnel because that's kind of what we used to be known as, and I started out in the retail world, and uh, my career just you know evolved from there in leadership development and organizational design and development and HR stuff. 
right, over the past 30 years. And so Humoriso is my uh, HR consulting firm that I began a little over nine years ago. And uh, it's been a great ride. I mean, really, it's been a lot of fun because we do a lot of great work with organizations of various sizes across the country, a little bit international. Um, and so from startups, which is really exciting, right, to watch all the startups trying to get things going, but also to organizations that are enterprise, multi-state, multi-level organizations that have this, some of the same problems that startups have and, and trying to figure out a way to be customized in the approach to handle those problems because of their specific details but there's a lot of similar application, right? So it's yeah. fun for our team to get to be a part of those things. Yeah, and I imagine as a consulting firm, you see everything. I mean, like, unfortunately. Like everything. Everything. So and you, videos. Yeah. So, you oh, know. oh, I, yes. yep. okay, so everything. Thank you, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> have to add that, right? <laughs> uh, so talk to me, what are some of the, you know, kind of, you know, from the last, I'm looking at the last year, because sure. I think that that's really top of mind for a lot of people. But, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen in the consulting world that have been growing kind of trending concerns or challenges that HR teams or employers have faced? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and then Nicole just did a great job talking about COVID response, and you can't ignore that. Right. Um, but there's some residual um, in that as well. And so we're seeing some difficulty when it comes to talent management, talent acquisition. Um, we're also seeing difficulty when it comes to compensation management. How much do we pay people now? You, you know, the rate of pay is changing so quickly. I just was uh, sharing this with somebody else. You know, again, I've been doing this a long time. Um, there's some great data that's done from a compensation analytics standpoint that for the first time with some of the large providers of compensation data, they're putting their hands up and saying, we are so sorry. We, we've never experienced this kind of turnover in comp data. Um, we can't keep up. Wow. Right. And that's absolutely unusual. Like never have I seen this before. Yeah. Well, and the rate of change just uh, right. in the world. I mean, you know, it, it constant in terms of what people are needing. And yes. so it's very interesting. Have you seen, um, you know, obviously from your experience, you know, nine years of doing consulting, are there some trends that might've been starting prior to COVID? So you already saw the writing on the wall, but due to COVID, just completely sped up the the, the, the rate of the tra change. Yeah. I, I You know, I know that we've talked a lot about work from home, obviously, over the past year. And what I would say is pre-pandemic, there already were organizations trying to figure out how to be a bit more nimble and flexible. And so this concept, I mean, even in my own organization, at Humoriso, not everyone came into the office every day. Not every, and they weren't hired in the, in the city where the corporate offices are. So we already had a sense of that. But when, obviously, when COVID hit and that became much more of the conversation, um, for some organizations, it was, you know, a little too late. They, they could have been a, planned a bit better when it came to flexibility. Um, but for some, um, they really saw this as the push mm -hmm. to make things cleaner when it comes to employee experience um, and to finding talent. I mean, we're seeing organizations that are, so our corporate offices are in the Philadelphia area. Um, and we're seeing companies, for example, in Philadelphia that are hiring their first employees this past year in San Francisco and Chicago and Austin, Texas and, you know, Topeka, Kansas, because they can. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's kind of exciting. Right. Your, your candidate pool just expanded across yes. the globe. And basically. it needed to. Yeah, we, absolutely. We needed it to. But on top of that, though, how does that impact compensation? I know you mentioned the compensation yeah. numbers are off the charts. Yeah. But when you live, like, let's say you have, you know, your your offices are in, you know, somewhere remote in Nebraska. Yeah. 
but you're trying to hire somebody in San Francisco. I mean, that rate of pay is like a night and day. How, how does an employer yes. navigate that? That's a great question. I'm going to say they navigate it not very well. Um, usually. And they need to hire you, right? right. Yeah. They need to call John. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, then you get into, there's a couple of different ways to approach it. There is a philosophy around the job is worth what the job is worth because that's what you're paying for is the skill sets, um, and, and knowledge to be applied to get that work done. And that is worth X, whatever that is. Right. Some organizations will do that as sort of a baseline, but then have sort of cost of living add-ons put right. onto it to say, you know, living in San Francisco, as an example, or San Diego, it's a lot different than living in Lincoln, Nebraska, right? right? It, it's a little yeah. different for yeah. a variety of reasons, but compensation being one. And, and so we can do the offset from a cost of living adjustment if we needed to. This way, you're not committing yourself to something beyond. But I will say, there are employers that are, um, I hope, listening, right, who, who yeah. are, have put themselves in a corner to say, we will never hire anybody from California because we don't want to pay X, Y, or Z. We don't want to do this and that. And I get that. But I would also say we're in a time where talent is at a premium. So right. you can't afford to be that uh, snotty about yeah. where you'll take people, right? It's not someone's fault that they grew up in California. Right. <laughs> That's where they That's where are. where they live. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, and then the question comes too is, you know, with the shortage of employers or employees, right? That strain on employers trying to find that talent, you know, to your point, you know, sometimes they can't really be overly picky, but you know, you know how they got to get into a certain mindset. So if you were going to coach somebody and can kind of consult on how they should be approaching that, especially in today's hiring world, what would be some of those key things you would remind them to do? Yeah, it's a, it's really a good question, right? So one of the things that I like to do and our team does is the uh, hiring manager or, or executive who is having these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, We try to say to them, okay, we're going to take out a piece of paper, right? Old school, grab a pen, old school and uh, write down, the top 10 tasks that you have in your job, your job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll watch them write these 10 and I'll say, when you started here, could you do these 10 and really have a heart to heart about, right? Well, I could do six out of 10 of these. I, I, I couldn't do all six as well as I do them now, but I have, I had an understanding. Okay. If I had your resume today, you wouldn't let me hire you for that job. Ooh, right. That just got deep. Right. So it's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but you, you, yeah. you cause them to have a reality check. Yeah. Like you've been in your role maybe for six years. You're very comfortable. You know what you're doing. You've, you've had job enlargement and enrichment and have grown with it. Yep. You're, you are not looking at it with those same eyes anymore to remember you need to do that for this person who is bringing, you know, one of the things, and I know that this is going to come up probably a little bit later too, but when you put out these these job postings with these qualifications or, or what's there, we have some people in our in our country who will look at these qualifications and self-select out. Oh, the yeah. statistics are off the chart about that. Look, if there's 10 bullet points of what you need and you're a dude, you'll do two. If I have two out of 10, I'm 100% qualified for this job. That's what you think. Yeah. Women will be somewhere between seven and eight bullet points. And so they'll self-select out. Of, and if you're in the military... The, the statistics are almost almost 10 out of 10. Come on. Yeah. Right. So what are we doing that's precluding people from yeah. thinking that they can be a part of it? Take yeah. a look at, at what you're advertising, what you're asking mm-hmm. for a little bit deeper. And remember, you can grow into some things. It's not a day one. Right. And I love that perspective because that's so true. And I've heard that before where men 
yeah. you know, sometimes are, yep, I'm fully qualified. I'm right. applying for it. And women tend to kind of take a step back. Yes. yes. And so if you were going to give advice to a candidate, you know, what, you know, who is looking at those job descriptions and going, oh my gosh, can I do this? Can I not do this? What would be some of the advice you would give to them that yeah. helps them to identify that? No, you can do that. At, you know, you may need to grow into some of these skills, but how should they present themselves or how should they kind of build up maybe some of that confidence? I think that when you look at it from a, a talent sourcing standpoint, finding people and connecting with someone to exactly your point and saying and, and, and listening to someone say, I, uh, you know, I can't do those. I see what you sent me. I can't do those. I'll often say, oh, I, th this is just a, you know, a barometer of some of what's needed. Let me ask you a question. And then I'll ask something that seems disconnected. And I'll listen to someone share success that they've had and how they've been rewarded for that success. And I'll say, fascinating. By doing whatever that is, X, the skills you demonstrated were A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Funny how that will likely apply to this, these couple of areas that you're saying, I don't have that. Yeah. You, you have it all over the place. Right. I especially, um, I, I mean, again, something that might be, um, uh, common to some people listening is returning. If you've made a choice as a woman to take some time off to raise kids and you want to come back into the workforce and you say, well, I haven't been working. Well, okay. well what have you been doing at home? I'd like to know, <laughs> right? Because I have three kids and I, I know. Right? I am a mom. Right? I, I, I mean, know. <laughs> yeah, but you know what absolutely. I mean? And to be able to yeah. say to you, did you manage the household? How about a budget? Right. How, mm -hmm. Did you plan menus? Like, did you get your kids where they needed to be on time? Yeah. You know, maybe they weren't dressed, but they were there on time, like whatever it is yeah. to just sort of laugh with it, be a little yeah. tongue in cheek about it. But remind them you you demonstrated skill sets just in a different arena. Yeah, but they're transferable and they are totally yeah. transferable. Yeah. And so one one additional question, because I just um, kind of thinking about it, you know, in today's candidate market and to some of the points you made about when people are reading those job descriptions and kind of self-selecting out. Yeah. You know, do you think some of that comes down to how employers are writing that job description yes. and how can they write them better that helps the candidates understand, no, I can do that job yeah. or that may not be required on day one, but we're going to be looking for you to expand into that. I mean, is there some something that they can be doing to maybe kind of get a little bit more innovative so candidates understand? Absolutely. I mean, I think that there are a couple of things that come to mind. Number one, stop going to Google and, you know, downloading a job description for Pete's sake. I mean, I appreciate the accessibility, but it's, it's the wrong way to approach it, right? Is that, should I go on Google for your job description? You know, yeah. CEO, CFO, because you may not make it because <laughs> it depends on the one that I'll download. Right, right. Right. The other thing I would say is be creative in the way in which you can um, vet for qualifications. Use video, mm. use FaceTime, right? You can do pre-records, you can do lives, we, we should be a lot more comfortable with those things as a result of this past year, right? Yeah. To your point earlier, like what has changed? Be creative in that way too. I, I um, uh, recently was working on a marketing specialist um, at our organization and like the, the key to entry was, where's your link to your portfolio, your online portfolio? Just send the link. I don't, well, I have to get my resume together. No, thank you. Yeah. I want to see actual work. Right. No, yeah. thank you. I'll yeah. get the resume later. Yeah. I need your name and email address. Can I just have the link to your, 
It, it, are you sure? Yeah, actually, I know. I run the company. I'm pretty sure. Just yeah. send it to yeah. me. It's okay. Are you questioning me? <laughs> are you questioning me? Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> and you do that. And yeah. someone is, yeah. the, the interesting thing about that in that particular role is that's their, that's their bread and butter. Yeah. The creative, innovative approach to design and development. So start with the best foot yeah. forward. Why wouldn't you want to? Yeah. What does your LinkedIn look like? And is your, do you have a picture on it? I mean, that's right. Honestly, right, right, I mean, right. that's going to, you're going to be expected to do that. So right. Fantastic. So to have yeah. that kind of different approach, I would say for employers, look at the job. And I know we're, we're going to hear some more about that from a talent acquisition standpoint, but what does the job ask for? Is there different ways that you can find out that information than just a sheet of paper? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us, John. Thank you. So that, uh, thank Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Sorry. Just got a little bit distracted from the show floor here. Um, lots of people coming by. Very exciting. Um, but we're going to, um, if, if anybody need to get a hold of you, John, how would they do that if they wanted to get in touch with you and uh, reach you. out for more yeah. information? So certainly the website at humoriso.com, H-U-M-A-R-E-S-O.com. And you can connect with me there or I'm on Twitter all over the place at at JB alive, like not dead, but alive, JB alive fascinating well it's been great to have you on the show thank you so much and thanks to nicole as well who did have to step away because obviously these are working you know hr folks trying to get all their education here at the show and if you are in the area stop by booth 4076 and check out our three continuums booth our show sponsor and uh thank you again have a great day